You're tuned in to the thinking out loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you, featuring author, speaker, and minister. Michael Nimmons. Want to welcome you guys to a brand new New Year's Eve edition. Of the, of the Thinking Out Loud radio show and you know at the very top of my list is the interview that we're going to be sharing in this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show and um, that is a global advocate and activist Martin Luther King III uh, he is definitely one of the best of 2021 and probably one of the best interviews that we've had so far on the Thinking Out Loud radio show, but. Um, what is it like for you today, being the, uh, the son of such an iconic and legendary figure as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? So I look at it as a tremendous, uh, really blessing. Um, people sometimes choose to talk about well isn't it a, a burden mm. um and i i just always you know i think everything in life is your perspective um if you engage and process things negatively then you get negativity but if you try to exhibit and exude positivity that's what happens it's time 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 when we get in our unfamiliar place, uh, our trials and tribulations of life, uh, uh, we, we instead of uh, uh, praising God in the midst of our trials, uh, we complain and, and have a pity party, uh, wanting to get God's sympathy. Uh, but I believe David said in Psalms 34, I will bless the Lord uh, at all times, uh, and his praises uh, shall continually be uh, in my mouth. Uh, my soul shall make uh, a boast in the Lord. Uh, the humble shall hear thereof uh, and be glad. Uh, oh, magnify uh, the Lord with me uh, and let us uh, exalt his name together. Give God a praise. Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker and minister, Michael Nimitz. You're tuned in to the show is giving voice to issues that matter to you. 
want to welcome you guys to a brand new New Year's Eve edition of the of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And uh, we have um, taken a couple weeks off to enjoy the holiday season like many of you. First and foremost, I hope you all had a wonderful holiday, wonderful Christmas. I did as well. Uh, again, again, just taking some time to mellow out, enjoy the holiday as the year uh, comes to a close. But we wanted to put out a new show before we cross over. We're just a couple hours away, just a few hours away from crossing over into 2022. And um, just wanted to do a show uh, to uh, do do a few things and share uh, our reflections on 2021 and as well as share an excerpt of an interview that we consider to be one of um, the best of 2021. That's what we're calling uh, this week's show. But before we jump into any of that, I want to just say thank you to all of you who have listened to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, not just this year, but since 2018 when we started this podcast. You have been so very supportive and very uh, uh, special to us. Uh, we've got, we've enjoyed your words of encouragement, whether it be on social media, whether it be in person, we appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, whether it was a kind message uh, in a social media post or whether it was something that was sent via email or if you said something to us in passing in person regarding the podcast, we appreciate it. We thank you. And it's been your um, encouraging words that have kept us going and have kept us motivated to continue doing episodes of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And we're looking forward to what 2022 has in store for this podcast. We also want to say a special thank you to all of the guests that we've had, uh, not just this year, but over the past four years that we've been doing the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Man, we have had an opportunity to interview some of the best of the best. And um, I'm continuing to pinch myself uh, each and every opportunity that we have to interview a journalist, interview an influencer a creative, uh, you know, whether it be a doctor, a lawyer, a, a politician, um, uh, you know, you name it, entertainer, comedian. Uh, our show has covered the entire gamut of industry. And I'm just thankful to each and every one of you who have um, put your trust in us uh, to share your story with our listeners. And we thank you. We appreciate you. And, um, I am looking forward again to what 2022 has in store for the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And with that in mind, we were looking back and thinking about some of the best interviews that we've had uh, in 2021. And, you know, at the very top of my list is the interview that we're going to be sharing in this week's edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And um, that is a global advocate and activist, Martin Luther King III. Uh, he is definitely one of the best of 2021 and probably one of the best interviews that we've had so far 
on the Thinking Out Loud radio show, but I'm telling you, I am just, again, pinching myself because um, uh, his interview was a, a bucket list interview in, in the sense that I've always been an admirer of his father, uh, the sainted Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., iconic civil rights leader. And I remember even as a child memorizing his speeches and um, his lectures and even um, giving those and sharing some of those speeches in middle school, high school, and even in college. And um, he was a, a, a big part of the speaker resume uh, that I have amassed uh, in my uh, in my personal life uh, because uh, I've admired uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the work that he that he's done as a speaker, as a civil rights leader, as an author. He's always been an inspiration to me, and for me to have the opportunity to sit down and and talk to his son about his father and how his father inspired me and how his father has inspired uh, his son and, and so many others was definitely a, um, uh, a very humbling experience. Uh, there's video footage of our interview uh, on our Thinking Out Loud TV YouTube channel. Encourage you to go check it out along with some of the other uh, bucket list interviews that we have done with uh, individuals like journalist Jamel Hill of The Atlantic and ESPN, respectively, um, CHH artist Mouthpiece. Um, we've interviewed uh, Marcia L. D Reverend Marcia L. Dyson, um, pastor um, and, and intellectual, uh, Frederick Douglass Haynes III. I mean, there's so many that we're just so godly proud of and and um, an honor to have been uh, to have had the opportunity to speak with on this podcast, Carolyn Clifford, Council President Brenda Jones, uh, who just ended her tenure as uh, uh, as City Council President um, this past December, and congratulations to her as she moves on to uh, new endeavors in her her life and uh, opens a new chapter. In, in her journey, congratulations to her. Uh, just so many individuals, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, Rochelle Riley, uh, another one of Detroit's finest. Um, just so many people. I'm just so godly proud of this show and those that we have had an opportunity to interview. And I'm again, looking forward to what 2022 has to offer. And as I said, uh, in this week's edition, we're going to be sharing with you an excerpt of our interview with uh, global advocate and activist Martin Luther King III. And before we jump into that interview uh, or go to our first commercial break, I wanted to just share with you a little in some insights into uh, how we went about getting this interview, because I think it's going to be. Uh, a, a word of encouragement to those who are, you know, looking to do a podcast or or looking to do anything uh, that that requires uh, an extra uh, bit of effort on your part. You know, this is definitely not something that is easy to do 
uh, especially starting a park a podcast from scratch nobody knows who you are uh, you don't have a name that people recognize um, but all you have is the faith uh, to pursue what you believe God has called you to do and um, with with Martin Luther King the third I reached out to him on social media uh, and uh, he uh, is someone that I follow and and on Twitter and it turns out uh, he actually follows me which is another uh, humbling uh, opportunity that that uh, that took place back in 2020 I wanted to have him on the show back in 2020 but things did not work out I reached out to him and um, our schedule his schedules did not align with uh, our interview schedules uh, he had a lot of things going on then uh, but I did not take that no personal and that's uh, one thing I want to share with those that are listening that you cannot take a no personal no is not a final answer no should not be your final answer for anything and you have to always look at it uh, from a bigger picture and from a bigger perspective uh, and so uh, I uh, did not um, forget uh, wanting to interview Martin Luther King the uh, third but I again uh, looked at that as a learning experience and I tried again in 2021 sent an email to his uh, to his team reached out uh, with that, uh, you know, with a uh, letter of request uh, to have him on our podcast, and it turns out he was available, and the rest is history. Uh, but again, the primary reason for sharing this story was really to show you that you cannot take no personal, and you cannot take no for an answer. Some things require. An extra effort. Some things require more determination, more due diligence on your part in order to get the job done. And that's what and that's what it takes. That's what it takes when you journey down a path like this. And when you want to be a creative, when you want to be an influencer, um, these are the types of things that you have to have uh, in your toolkit to get you from. Uh, point A to point B and you have to have a bulldog tenacity a determination and that's what it took to get this interview and I'm just so very excited again for this to be one of the best of 2021 it wasn't uh, and, and, and it didn't just end there I mean this was just one and I, I, I plan to share um, uh, more of these types of best of uh, interviews even as we cross over into 2022 just as a testimony of what God is has done and is doing with this podcast because remember we started this podcast from scratch nobody knew who we were and we're still uh, I believe carving out a path for ourselves with the over 500,000 or more podcasts that are are being developed and created uh, from a year-to-year basis. Uh, I'm not even sure how many podcasts are even out there now, 
But that being said, um, I I really feel like um, that 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 doors are opening because of our faithfulness and because of our diligence uh, uh, with this genre and this uh, media uh, that we're that we've chosen to express ourselves. And again, I'm so very thankful to each and every one of you for taking the time out week to week to listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. In addition to uh, the interview that we'll be sharing with you in this week's edition, we're also going to be sharing with you an excerpt of a powerful message that we ministered entitled Strange Fruit. Strange Fruit. And I listened to this message uh, before we air before we're airing this. And uh, I just thought about uh, the 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 uh, the things that have happened and transpired over this year 2021 with COVID-19 and the things that we've had to endure and overcome. And strange fruit is an encouraging word to those of us uh, that have been going through some things and trying to figure out, you know, what God is doing in our lives. And we haven't exactly uh, figured out why uh, these things are happening. And what is he doing? Is he playing Russian roulette with our lives? But Paul or Peter said it best. Think it not strange when these fiery trials come as though some strange thing has happened to you. Uh, But God is uh, taking you to a place. And in order to get there, you've got to go through some things. And this message, I believe, is truly going to bless you. Again, guys, thank you for tuning in to the New Year's Eve edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We appreciate you. And we're getting ready to go to our first commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to be sharing with you an excerpt or excerpts of our interview with global advocate and activist, Martin Luther King III. You don't want to go anywhere. You tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Maya Nimmons, and I want you to listen to my dad, Michael Nimmons, on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Every Tuesday at 8 p.m., available everywhere you listen to your podcast. And now, available on the Detroit Praise Network website. You better listen to that little girl, the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Are you looking for a better educational alternative for your child? One that'll help your child advance socially and academically? Your search is over. Welcome to to Redford Service Service Learning Academy. Academy. We proudly offer small classroom sizes. As well as student-centered achievement and academic programs taught by experienced and caring teachers. Various after-school programs including sports, access to technology, and free transportation. Free lunch and breakfast for all students. Simply visit our website or give us a call for more information. Your child's future begins today. Refined, rebranded, reinvented, reinvigorated, revived. 
The new MichaelNimmons.com website is finally here. And believe me, it's worth the wait. A state-of-the-art website where you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast, watch Thinking Out Loud TV, read the Thinking Out Loud blog, purchase books and swag, and so much more. Subscribe today and get a free gift on us. Stop by the new MichaelNimmons.com. It is sure to be a thought-provoking experience. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Emmy Award-winning journalist, Jamel Hill. I have to ask Dr. Hill, how is it that we're trying to allegedly reach racial harmony, but we want to have celebrations of racist things all the time? Again, we can't have unity unless we agree that something's bad. And we sound even more foolish by saying... Oh, no, but we changed the meaning. Okay, they can say the same thing in Germany about a lot of things, but you don't see it because they knew in order for real healing to take place, they had to disavow all that stuff, which is why they paid reparations to the descendants of the Jews that were killed in our... That's why they did it. Apologies don't work unless you put some level of action behind it. It's my really long-winded way of saying that when I think about the national anthem, it doesn't represent everybody. Mark Cuban knew it. He talked about it. That's why they stopped doing it. And you know what? They didn't do it for 13 games and no one noticed. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Demiri Graphics. In need of a local design for your business, then check out Demiri Graphics. Need flyers, business cards, t-shirts, or website for your business, then check out Demiri Graphics. The people at Demiri Graphics will get you right for your next business venture. They're professional, creative, courteous, and they get the job done right every time. Check out the team at Demiri Graphics. Give them a call today at 734-219-5266. Demiri Graphics, bringing your imagination to life.
What is up, beautiful people? It's your girl, Lex Devine, in the building, kicking it with yours truly, Michael Nimmons, on the Thinking Out Loud radio and TV show. All right, y'all, stay tuned. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. We are back on a great, I mean, a phenomenal edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I have somebody on the line today that is a tremendous figure uh, that I just cannot wait to uh, talk to uh, on tonight. Uh, you know, he is uh, someone I'm sure that, uh, you know, well, everybody knows. And uh, because of his uh, connection with um, an iconic, legendary figure in his father. But I want to give him a proper introduction before we get into his interview on tonight. Um, he is the eldest son of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And today he is the global human rights activist and chairman of the Drum Major Institute. I want you to give a warm, thinking out loud radio show welcome to new friend of the show, Dr. Martin Luther King III. Welcome to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thank you. I'm certainly honored to have the opportunity to share. We are so, so very honored and humbled to have you on the show with us, sir. It is, uh, I can't tell you how much of a pleasure it is for us to be talking to you. Um, I'm not only a admirer of your dad um, and all that he has done, obviously, for uh, civil rights and equality in this country and even around the world, but I'm also an admirer of yours because uh, you've taken up his legacy and um, and have done, uh, I think, a commendable job in representing him and, uh, and his legacy as well. Well, thank you. Absolutely. You know, I want to start here. Um, what was it like? Well, what is it like? Not what was it like? Because uh, we all know that Dr. King was assassinated. At, um, when he was assassinated, he was a very young man, but you were a very young child at the time. So this question really speaks to um, what is it like for you today? being the uh, the son of such an iconic and legendary figure as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So I look at it as a tremendous, uh, really blessing. Um, people sometimes choose to talk about, well, isn't it a, a burden? Mm. Um, and I, I've just always, you know, I think everything in life is your perspective. Um, if you, engage and process things negatively, then you get negativity. But if you try to exhibit and exude positivity, that's what happens. And so, you know, you can look at the glass as half empty or, or half full. Right. Uh, no matter what the challenge is. Now, the reality is, you know, I've had an extraordinary uh, life. Uh, um, mm. So many opportunities that I shared with my father in a very short period of time. I was 10 years old when he was killed in 1968. And uh, of course, I shared far more opportunities because I had uh, the ability, well, because my mother lived so much longer. Uh, started the Martin Luther King Center for Nonviolent Social Change. Uh, worked very hard to get the Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Uh, Jr. Uh, national holiday. Uh, 
worked very hard to raise money to sustain the organization, raised uh, the, my, uh, actually there are only three of us now, but there were four siblings. Right. Um, and just a host of other things that mother did throughout her life. Right. Uh, where I was able to learn from, uh, from, from her. I, I learned from dad, but I learned from dad mostly Through by her. listening to speeches and sermons uh, after he was deceased. Mm. Right. And, you know, and, and mentioning Dr. King, I certainly could not um, uh, forget to mention his um, historic and iconic wife, Coretta uh, Scott King as well. Um, she um, did a, a tremendous job in carrying on his legacy even after he was gone as well. And I'm sure, um, you know, you can attest to that. And, and, uh, and, and speaking about him, you know, what, what are some of your thoughts about, about your mother as well and how, you know, she held up uh, losing her husband that's, you know, so young uh, in, the, in, the, in the movement and, and so suddenly. Well, interestingly enough, um, I never focused on the, it this way, but I was raised in a single parent home by a single mm. parent, mostly wow. uh, from 10 years old, on. Wow. And uh, mother uh, on April 4th, 1968, which was a Thursday, dad was killed on April 8th, uh, 1968. Um, uh, mom went to Memphis and led a march that my father was supposed to have led. Uh, and we came back to Atlanta on the three older ones of us, that is my older sister, Yolanda, who's deceased, my brother, Dexter, and I. Dexter's younger than I am, and Bernice is the youngest. Uh, the only three of us that are living today are myself, Dexter, and Bernice. Right. But mom took the three older ones of us, and she went to Memphis. And you think about no one had been captured for the murder of her husband. Uh, it was not necessarily a safe environment, but she carried on instead. And then you think about the fact that uh, many times to create an institution or an organization, it takes a long time to lay it out and structure it. Uh, the Martin Luther King Jr. Center, which my mother and friends founded, started in June. Dad was killed in April. Two months later, an organization was created to institutionalize uh, the work that he did and create a living memorial. That was a little longer before the actual physical buildings were, were erected because money had to be raised. But the right. vision was there in 1968 at the time of his death. It's quite, quite amazing. Mom was kind of stronger than an ox mm. <laughs> in, in a sense. And you know, as I think about it, and in retrospect, uh, I never saw her really cry uh, during those times. During, I'm sure she grieved just as we grieved when my father was killed, but mother personified a kind of strength and dignity. So we as children attempted to emulate our mother. And to some degree, I'm sure that was very difficult because you want to cry. You want to do normal emotional kind of things but because of what you see in your sphere you exhibit that same kind of behavior so i don't know that i grieved initially over a period of time yes 
but not initially. And it was all because we were, we were attempting to hold up what we thought we should be doing. But that's not a, that's an observation, not a criticism. I, you know, my, my mother was, was really amazing. Just, a, 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 and I was sharing with someone just the other day, they met in graduate school. Uh, dad was at Boston University working on his PhD. Mom was at the Boston Conservatory of Music. And she was working on her master's in, in music, which she did earn and became uh, during the time um, the dad was the president of SCLC, the organization that he did a lot of his work within. Mom would go around to communities and sing to raise money for the organization. But here's my higher point. When they met, mother had already been involved in peace demonstrations. She'd gone around parts of the world to be involved in peace. Dad had never done that at that particular point. And so he often said that mother, they read a lot of the same books, by the way. So they were, uh, they, they, they were uniquely situated to become one, to become partners. And dad would say that mom brought him to the peace movement because she, pre, she preceded him in terms of going and being a part of peace demonstrations. Uh, but mother had a remarkable amount of work. As I said, I remember when there was a union being created in uh, 1199, which is hospital workers, just make sure that hospital workers were treated fairly. Mom led that in Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, yeah, Charlotte, I believe, North, uh, South Carolina. Um, so she was always involved in, in her own right. Now, that, of course, that was after dad's death, around 70, 71. Um, she was the first day speaker at St. Paul's Cathedral in London, England in 1969. Uh, she visited every member of the United States Senate and many of the members in the House to lobby them for the King holiday. It didn't just happen automatically. Right, um, right. It was because of the work that she, that she did. Um, I remember we were in South Africa in 1986 for the first time. And of course we went back later uh, for Mr. Mandela's inauguration in 93, but in 86, when we visited, uh, our goal was to meet with everyone. The tradition of nonviolence says you meet with everyone. So we had a meeting scheduled with the president of South Africa, who was really not a great person. I mean, he was a traditional white boar, um, which is how they preferred, I think, to themselves. But he was uh, obviously a racist, a strong apartheid person. Um, his name was P.W. Bota. Mm. And Mrs. Mandela and Alan Bosak, a minister, uh, basically said, okay, while we respect your tradition, if you want to meet with us, you're not going to be, we, you know, if you want to meet with PW, then, you know, you might as well not meet with us. So mother had to make an executive decision and decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm gonna, not going to meet with the president. In the tradition of nonviolence, as I say, you want to meet with everybody. But in this context, that was not what was warranted. And mm -hmm. so she backed out. I remember an article being on the front of the paper, Mrs. King snubs PW. <laughs> um, and uh, there were all kinds of experiences throughout my life. I remember we also went to jail, my sister and I and my aunt with my mother 
uh, when we were protesting in Washington, D.C. at the South African embassy. Uh, and I could go on and on because, as I said, I had so many more experiences with mom than I did with dad. Dad, I got to travel with about eight times. The mm. last time he was mobilizing in December, what I mean, was between October and December of 67. And he was mobilizing for the poor people's campaign where he's going to bring together poor blacks, whites, Native Americans, Americans from all walks of life to say to policymakers that we demand the right to decent jobs with decent pay. We demand a living wage. Of course, that was to happen and have happened in May of 68. He was killed in April. But I traveled with him to one of the last uh, throughout the state of Georgia. He was going to four or five cities. And my brother Dexter and I traveled with him. That was, I think, the last opportunity that we had. We used to go to the YMCA to get exercise with him once a week. So we had amazing experiences. But again, I had so many more with my mother because of the length of time that she lived. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. Global advocate, Martin Luther King III. So I, I think the future is is the, the best probably is yet to come, particularly coming out of this phase right now, coming out of, you know, the last four years of being dark and desolate. I mean, the last four years, theoretically, could cause, of have caused people to, to have lost faith, particularly if, if Trump had won. I think our, we wouldn't have a democracy if this man had been reelected. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Congratulations to Pastor Michael Nimmons for over 20,000 streams and downloads. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and MichaelNimmons.com. Tune in today. The Thinking Out Loud radio show giving voice to issues that matter to you. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. Minneapolis, Minnesota to London, England, from New Zealand to New York City. Black Lives Matter and I Can't Breathe are the sentiment of people around the world. Dr. King was right. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We must do everything we can to continue to march, protest, and rally for justice. Let us march on until victory is won. An important message from the Thinking Out Loud radio show. 
Shortly before airtime, I spoke with one of the students uh, who uh, was in uh, his classroom. Shots rang out. 17-year-old senior the kind of person he was going in. That's one thing that was consistent throughout his entire presidency and consistent throughout his entire life. There's, he, he kept it no secret what kind of person he was. The people that I hold the most accountable for this is the 75 million people that voted for him uh, this election and then those that voted for him uh, to re uh, the, those that voted for him initially uh, back in 2016, um, even more so those that voted to reelect him because after the four years that he had been president, what he, what had he done to deserve to be reelected? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you he has he has uh, in a few days, I believe it'll be 450 thousand deaths. That's because right. of COVID nineteen, that that lay at his feet. These are, this is blood on his hands, mm-hmm. and thirteen or fourteen million Americans that have uh, you know uh, have contact, uh, contracted COVID nineteen because of his lack of leadership yeah. in the White House, and yet he was still able to get seventy five million people, seventy four million people, to believe that he deserved another chance. Yep. That's right. And that is completely and utterly <laughs> remarkable. Yeah. That's is. the biggest con con game like you said. Mm-hmm. He, that 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 uh that he's ever and then he walked out with uh, a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. A quarter of a billion dollars, oh, right? A million, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just um, unbelievable. But it says something about the disconnect with many Americans. And Again, here's my projection, not prediction. Mm-hmm. I do believe that if the president, that is President Biden and Vice President Harris, are able to get the pandemic under control and able to get a jobs program, i.e., um, infrastructure, and when people are comfortable and feel like, okay, you know, I'm, I still have my views. I still want to elect a Republican, but you know, this president got me a good job and my children are going to be able to have jobs. I feel pretty good. You are less likely to get involved in some protesting if you have some stability. Mm -hmm. The economy is all messed up right now. So people are under undue stress. And when you're under stress, you do crazy things. So my point is, if we're able to get and create, if the president and the vice president are able to create a sense of normalcy, an economy that looks like it's growing, uh, opportunity so people can feed themselves and their families, you know, it doesn't mean all, but a significant number of those people who voted for him, uh, that means Trump, um, you know, probably will say, well, maybe we need to give Biden a chance because the things that he said he was going to do, he's done. He's done. You know, they, they blame Democrats and they don't want the economy to work. Well, that doesn't even make sense. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. How do you label? There's no governor, no mayor who does not want their cities to work. Right. And want people to be engaged. But their number one priority is to keep people safe. 
keep people exactly. So how, how do you get labeled something that just isn't true? So anyway, you knock the argument, the the legs off of the argument that they said, particularly if you're able to get the economy back working, that's going to be very critical. Right. Right. I know you guys are enjoying our interview with this distinguished gentleman, the son of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Martin Luther King III. I want to talk to you. You know, I interviewed Dr. Uh, Pinnell Joseph, author of the book, The Sword and the Shield. And, uh, you know, the book talked about the violent and nonviolent legacies of Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And, and I asked uh, Dr. Joseph, you know, why does it seem so hard for us to find that moral leader uh, like a Dr. King or even a Malcolm X. You know, leadership in the 1960s seemed more consolidated. And some would even say maybe even territorial because, you know, you were either a Muslim or you were in the civil rights movement. Um, but leadership, um, leadership today seems more like a, a smorgasbord. Uh, you know, it's 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 more diverse in our community. So, you know, should we be looking for the next Martin Luther King or, or Malcolm X, or is that kind of leader for the black community extinct? You know, or 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 you know, or is that or is there another leadership model that exists for our community? So I believe that we have leaders in a lot of genres. So we have leaders who are elected officials. Now this it, it shouldn't, it's not necessarily in this order. I'm just I just happen to be presenting it this way. Mm-hmm. We have leaders who are religious leaders. We have right. leaders who are business um, leaders. I mean, you know, I, I think of um, gosh. I think of this business leader, uh, his last name is Smith, and I'm now I'm forgetting his first name, young young brother that's probably not quite 60, mm-hmm. being heir to the, the most wealthy African-American in the country. Oh, Robert Smith. Robert Smith. Bro, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Robert Smith just paid off. Right. Morehouse. Morehouse students, one class, one year. Right. And they're all kind of things. That's the tip of the iceberg of the things that this brother is doing mm. uh, to make sure that black folk are exposed to capital, have access to capital. Right. So you've got you've got leaders in uh, the community, community leaders. So I don't know that we should be looking for a messiah. Um, maybe someone will emerge, but I would hope that we don't just focus. I think we need to focus in every area. We need we need more entrepreneurship. We we need job creators, business innovative. We got young brothers and sisters, innovative minds that are doing all kind of things, and and we don't even know about them. I and mean, we see the young sister just at the at the uh, inaugural. Uh, a young poet. Right. Amanda Gorman. And yes, Amanda Gorman. And there are thousands of them. So to me, we shouldn't be just looking for one. Mm. We should be looking at those and highlighting them. One of the things the pandemic showed, by the way, in my judgment, was all of a sudden the nation saw all of these black mayors, many of them females. Every last one of them was sharp. Right, the men too. I mean, we we know we always knew it's black. Well, you know, my mayor, my mayor. But now the nation knows your mayor because mm-hmm. this crisis caused these mayors to have to be 
in front of uh, national television, national audiences. It's like there's all kind of talent in our community and they're all kind of leaders. And yet we still have problems. And so the question becomes, how do we resolve some of these really difficult problems that are are, are tearing at our, our community? Like, like the number of, of, of murders that happen uh, in our community, uh, homicides. Um, you know, how do we address y- y- these issues? And, you know, um, Victor Hugo used to say, wherever there is darkness, crimes will occur. But the guilty one is not merely he who commits the crime, but those who create the darkness. Mm. What I'm saying is when you create options and opportunities for people, many of these issues go away. But if you are in a scenario where there are no opportunities, where and this is not to justify crime or criminal behavior, this is just to say that we need to do, do, we do something about it. I mean, Dick Gregory used to say, you know, when you come into a dark environment, a lot of stuff you can't see, but you turn on the lights, all the roaches come out and they start running. <laughs> that, that's the same way with life. I mean, you know, you turn, you got to shed light on things that are wrong and do something about it. Right. You know, when you create the best schools for everyone, when you create the best opportunities, the best health care, you know, essential workers who are making it possible for all of us to eat, um, who are stocking the shelf. They have probably the highest level of uh, catastrophes, not because they're doing something wrong. They're just doing their jobs. But many of us were able to sit at home and shelter. But those brothers and sisters had to be out there making sure that people could eat and all kind of things. And, 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 and so they need to have the best health care on the planet. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. This is Michael Eric Dyson, and when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Vision. Vision should be the next book you purchase. Written by radio host and minister, Michael Nimitz. Vision is an insightful, thought-provoking book that is also a helpful tool in getting you to see your life through God's eyes. Vision endorsed by best-selling authors Dr. Eddie Connor and Kim Brooks and mega-pastor Bishop Charles H. Ellis III. Vision is a life-changing book that you need in your personal library. Get your copy today. Available everywhere books are sold online or at michaelnimmons.com. Get your copy today. Vision. Vision. Stay tuned for more motivation, more inspiration, and more empowerment on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. 
refined, rebranded, reinvented, reinvigorated, revived. The new MichaelNimmons.com website is finally here. And believe me, it's worth the wait. A state-of-the-art website where you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast, watch Thinking Out Loud TV, read the Thinking Out Loud blog, purchase books and swag, and so much more. Subscribe today and get a free gift on us. Stop by the new MichaelNimmons.com. It is sure to be a thought-provoking experience. Don't, 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 don't touch that now. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. I totally agree with you. And, and, and yes, you are right. That, that, um, in fact, uh, Dr. Joseph answered the question more like, somewhat like you did, that, that we shouldn't have a, a narrowed focus on finding one leader that everyone can look to because uh, I'm sure that's a lot of pressure on that one person. And, uh, but, 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 it, but when we are able to uh, equally distribute or distribute that leadership throughout our community, that makes us all accountable. And I, I do agree with you. Um, that's a, a much better perspective um, uh, on that. And, you know, you mentioned something uh, in, in your talk about, you know, what can we do? And, you know, um, just recently, we, uh, we we marked the anniversary, I believe it was the 57th anniversary of the March on Washington. And uh, you were definitely one of the speakers there. It was organized by your good friend, Reverend uh, Al Sharpton. And um, I wanted to I want to ask you, I mean, that was a very historic moment in, in, in this country's history, uh, marking that that march and uh, what your dad was able to do there uh, in Washington. But I wanted to find out from you, what do you think that, that, that uh, the 57th anniversary, that that anniversary of that march, what do you think it accomplished? Well, I think it accomplished that number one, we brought over 200,000 people just about to Washington. Mm. And it was a peaceful demonstration. Right. Um, it was in the middle of a pandemic. In the middle of a pandemic. All, everybody was masked. And so we didn't have any incidents of people uh, that I, we are aware of contracting the virus. Uh, but what it did was it helped galvanize and mobilize and inform people around the nation on the issue of voting as one issue. Um, the reason, one of the reasons the president and the vice president, President Biden and Vice President Harris were able to win was because that march was talking about these issues. Right. Talking about voting is something that, that I mean, we, we have no choice in this matter. You know, our lives do 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 depend on it. I mean, one of the lines we talked about, I talked about, and I, I it was interesting because I had a line in one of my speeches, and later on I heard President Obama using the same line uh, in advertisement. So the, the, the point is, we help to mobilize. Uh, we help to talk about the consciousness of uh, the George Floyd uh, Policing Act and the John Lewis Voter Registration Restoration Act. I think those bills, by the way, will be passed now because the Senate has a majority. Um, you know, 
again, it was all about consciousness. And then my daughter, my, our daughter, my, my wife and I have a 12 year old and she was able to speak. And she said that, that, you know, she used one of my father's quotes about this next phase of the movement is for genuine equality. Mm. And ironically, that's where we are. And she said that her generation was going to make sure that these things happened. Wow. That we, we do not turn back. We're not, we're not going to turn around. Now, my hope is that we're able to address these issues before. I mean, she's 12 years old, so it won't be long before she's an adult. But she's already engaged in activism. And there are a lot of young people young people in the Me Too movement, young people in Black Lives Matter, young people with the uh, Parkland students, the uh, March for Our Lives, those the young people are leading, they're coming together and they're doing amazing things. And these are kids, many of them in high school and, and some in elementary school. You got young Miss Flint, young little kid is probably i don't know if she's i don't know if she's 10 or 12 years or 10 years right old. right right she's talking about the water crisis in flint michigan in flint. and you've got young people all over so you again you talk about leadership it's there you just have to open your eye you know not you but i mean we just have to open our eyes and we'll see it and and and, and we need to follow because these young people are leading us to a better place where we as a nation ought to get and they're not going backwards so although it looks like progress has been stifled and yes it has been very difficult um we are moving forward as a nation and the young people are the ones that are going to be leading us wow wow i i that is that's remarkable and it's a great question a great segue into my last question for you uh, or tonight uh, as we get ready to uh wrap this interview uh with uh, martin luther king the third i'm sure you all enjoyed uh listening to him and uh i i certainly have as well and i could talk to him for another hour <laughs> but um i understand he's very very busy but um i i want to know from you um what do you see the future of our country you know what what the, what do you think the future of our country looks like we've talked about you know the past we've talked about your father and and what has happened with what happened then and and then we talked we're talking about what happened now and um and 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 how we move from the challenges that we're currently facing um but in your estimation what does the future of our country look like so I, I think the future is is the, the best probably is yet to come, mm. particularly coming out of this phase right now, coming out of, you know, the last four years of being dark and desolate. Right. And, and being, uh, you know, I mean, the last four years theoretically could cause of have caused people to to have lost faith, particularly if, if Trump had won. Mm. So, uh, wow. I just can't imagine. I, I, I can't either. Thankful to God. And was not allowed that people, people woke up. People woke up. That was amazing because you could lose your faith. If this, I mean, we, I don't think our, we wouldn't have a democracy if this man had been reelected. I agree with you. Four years. I mean, we, we just, it would be a, a totalitarian, some some kind of, yeah, almost a dictatorship. I mean, and that's, that's we saw the people he wanted to embrace. You know, 
whether it was Kim, Kim Jong-un or whether it was, you know, Putin. I mean, you know, Erdogan and, and, and um, oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, all of these kind of dictatorial-like leaders. Right. That's who this man admires because he wanted to do that in the United States. Thank God it didn't happen. Uh, good prevails over evil. Right. But I, I'm really hopeful um, because, as I said, I, when I see the, the engagement of the young people, uh, whether it's, again, I'll go back and re-articulate or restate the students from Parkland, whether it's young kids who are involved with Black Lives Matter. Um, you know, when we think about the fact that after the tragedy of George Floyd, every state in the United States had a demonstration. Many of those demonstrations were mostly white people because right. movies didn't have blacks. Everybody, it seemed, was at least touched by this tragedy and said that, you know, this is wrong and should not happen and we got to do something about it. There so were we protests have- even in Berlin, Germany. Yeah, well, well, wait a minute. Not just Ber- I mean, all of Europe. All of Europe. So there right. were demonstrations in the United States. There were demonstrations all over Europe. There were demonstrations in Australia. There were demonstrations on the African continent. There were demonstrations in South America and demonstrations in Canada. So just about the whole world. Wow. I think there were some demonstrations in, in uh, some of the Asian nations and certainly in India, I, I believe. And also uh, it may have been some, I don't know about China and Japan. Man. But That's all amazing. The world, people were impacted by this act, activity, action, this tragic action. And my point is that energy is not going anywhere. It's only going to go forward. Great. I am so hopeful. I am so excited about where, you know, this generation is going to lead us. And I'm, you know, I have a personal stake because uh, my daughter has chosen to be engaged in some level of leadership. And while she's 12 years old, she spoke at the march, uh, of course, uh, and she spoke at the march for our lives. And she said something very profound. Um, and when we tried to, when we found out two hours before the march for our lives that she was going to speak. Now, I just to give you a little history very quickly and do some personal. Um, Absolutely. Personal moment. Absolutely. Uh, in 2016, we went to visit President Obama in the White House. Uh, we had visited probably, I don't know, 10, 15 times over the eight years that he'd been there. But we had never gone into the Oval Office for some reason to see the bust of dad. Mm. So they invited us in. It was actually Black History Month, the, the February of 216. And we wow. said, it was probably eight, maybe. And I, we said to Yolanda, Yolanda, you need to come up with a question for the president. I said, okay. Uh, she came up with a question and she asked him, Mr. President, what are you going to do about these guns? And he wow. gave her, started giving her a political answer. And she kept looking at him like, okay, um, when are you going to get to the real answer? So he kept, you know, pulling back and coming. <laughs> Finally, he came up with something that made her feel, okay, okay, that makes me feel a little better. Um, but again, she's eight years old. So when the March for Our Lives took place a year or so later, for her to get up and she said, my, and of course, when she found out, she told us, I don't, I don't need your help, mom and dad. I know what I'm going to say. She said, my, 
grandfather had a dream that his four little children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. She said, well, I have a dream too. And my dream is enough is enough. And wow. we must have a gun-free world. Wow. And I almost, I was like, wow. Cause that, you know, I would have talked about, oh yeah, we gotta protect the second amendment. We gotta make sure people have the right. But she went far beyond and put something in the universe creating a gun gun free world that's profound so my only point is that yolanda is just one young person there are many out there who have ideas and who are willing to work with her and all of them are very interested in making the nation and world a better place for all of god's children so i have great great hope in the future uh, even though we've gone through some very difficult, difficult times. Wow, what a way to um, to, to to put a exclamation point in a period on this great interview with this great man, Martin Luther King III. I am just so honored and humbled, um, sir, to have talked to you. I'm getting a little emotional. I thank you for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for um, the opportunity to talk to you and um, this is truly one of the high points of my uh, my life. Thank you, sir, Thank you. for um, for being on the show with us. Thank you. <laughs> Let me collect my thoughts. <laughs> oh no! Thank you. Um, I have truly enjoyed talking to you. Um. And I know our listeners have as well. And uh, I thank you for your time and for all that you're doing and continuing to do to make our world a better place. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bless you. It's the Thinking Out Loud. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. Author and professor, Dr. Peniel Joseph. You don't have to be Team Malcolm or Team Martin. I think you should be both. You know, so I think the black community needs both. I think that King is much more revolutionary and radical than the public perceives him to be. And I think Malcolm is, is a much more um, brilliant and, and, and um, courageous individual who can be radically pragmatic and revolutionarily pragmatic to save black lives while trying to defeat white supremacy than people give him credit for. So um, that's why I try to show Malcolm is absolutely this prosecuting attorney, but he's also a black America statesman too. He's going to the Middle East, he's going to Africa, um, he's schooling the young Cassius Clay before he's Muhammad Ali on what Africa means, you know, what his identity means. So I think I put them together because I thought there was much more convergence than divergence. And I think when you frame them the other way, you hurt um, understanding of the movement. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show.
Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you to believe who told you that you were naked it's a dynamic empowering and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the garden of Eden. you don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis but the discovery of the spiritual solution Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Hey, what's cracking planet Earth? It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemitz. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. This week's thought is entitled Strange Fruit, taken from a message that we ministered from the scripture found in 1 Peter 4 and 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Remember, beloved, God is taking you someplace, but in order to get there, you've got to go through some things. Take a listen. But this philosophy of strange lends itself to so many different things. The example of black slavery is just one of many that we could use to articulate our point. We often refer to things we don't understand or don't recognize as simply strange. Our lack of familiarity with something often results in the labeling of strange. This strangeness is oftentimes based solely on our lack of comprehension or appreciation of its value. Reason we don't we didn't like vegetables when we were a child because we didn't understand the value of its nutrition as a child. Reason we didn't like school when we were young was because we didn't understand the value an education has in our society. Reason we didn't like doing chores around the house when we were a kid was because we didn't understand the value of being a responsible child would lead to being a responsible adult. 
So we refer to these things as strange, weird, awkward, and this, become, this became our prevailing mentality from our youth all the way to adulthood. People of God, this, this philosophy of strange even lends itself to our own spirituality, if you please. Whatever happens in our spiritual lives that we cannot comprehend or understand, we refer to it as strange. Whatever makes us spiritually uncomfortable, whatever inconveniences us, we call it strange. I wish I had a witness in this place. Oftentimes, it's, it's the bad things, it's, it's the difficult times in our life that we often label as strange. It's the trials and tribulations of this, this walk with God that we often refer to as strange, awkward, or weak. We do this and we do so because we don't always understand nor comprehend why they are there or what God is trying to do in our lives. Oh, people of God, in this walk with God, you're, you're not going to always understand the direction that you're going. Not going to always understand the path that God has laid out for you to travel. But I believe the wisest man that ever lived tells us in Proverbs the third chapter and verse number five to trust in the Lord oh, I wish I had a witness in this place with all of your heart and lead not to your own understanding but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path how many know he will direct your path in these trying and turbulent times I hear God saying to us, trust me. All you've got to do is just trust me. And in one sense, we can see where this, uh, this, this mentality is understandable, this, this strange mentality, because the severity of the pain and the complexities of the problems that our experience are very uncomfortable. Oh, people of God, if anybody's walked with him long enough, we know that walking with God is uncomfortable. Walking with God at times is inconvenient. Walking with God at times does not make much sense to us. Uh, no one wants to feel this way. No one voluntarily wants to experience tragedy. No one voluntarily wants to experience pain. No one voluntarily wants to be persecuted. And yet the scripture says, Yea, those that will live godly shall suffer persecution. Oh, I know many of you are probably saying, I didn't sign up for this. Uh, I didn't know anything about this when I gave my life to Christ. I didn't know my life would be all topsy-turvy uh, when I gave my life to Christ. But I just stopped by to let somebody know if you hang in there, if you hang in there in the midst of the turbulent times in your life, God will work it out for you. Do I have a witness in this place? I feel my help in here. Hallelujah. So... Yea, those that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. So this is so this this struggle or this strangeness is as much a part 
of our Christian walk as the blessings that we love and enjoy. Uh, we love to, we want to live a prosperous life. We, we want to live a, a, a blessed life, but nobody wants to suffer. Nobody wants to go through. Nobody wants to, to have that, that, that part of their life being inconvenienced. Nobody wants that part at all. All of us want to reign with God, but nobody wants to suffer. Hallelujah. Uh, so if the trials and tribulations are supposed to be a part of a, of a regular part of our Christian walk, then why do we still treat them as though they are some strange thing that has come upon us as Peter suggests? If pain is as much a part of our Christian life as prosperity, then why do we still refer to it as strange? Uh, if tragedy is as much a part of our Christian life as triumph, then why do we still refer to it as strange? Uh, it would seem that the regularity or the frequency of these types of events would reduce or diminish the awkwardness of disappearance. Uh, because people of God, for most of us, we think at least that there are more bad times in our life than good times. That we experience more trouble in our life uh, than anything else. But I came by to let somebody in here know uh, when you evaluate uh, the depth and breadth of your life, uh, I'm here to tell you, you have, you've had more good days than you've had bad days. Uh, Oh, I believe the songwriter said through it all through it all I've learned to trust in Jesus and I've learned to trust in God through it all I've learned to depend upon his word how many have that testimony in the building hallelujah and 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 and, and so uh, it but, but, but it's still, we still treat our trials and tribulations as though they are strange. Uh, we seem to treat each test and trial as if we haven't learned anything from yesterday or the day before. But Paul constantly reminds us in the Pauling epistles that we experience the, 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 the trials and tribulations that we face are supposed to take us from one level of faith to the next level of faith. Do I have a witness in here? Uh, but, but, but the problem is, when we go through, we don't carry those experiences from one, from one level of faith to the next level of faith. We treat these things uh, as though they are all separate, but God is letting us know that all things uh, are working together for the good of them who are the call according to his purpose. If you believe that, give God a praise in this place. So here we find Peter was addressing this type of child of God in 1 Peter the 4th chapter and verse number 12 when he said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which is to come to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. But when his glory shall be 
revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding great joy. Oh, you see, people of God, Peter was attempting to let us know that our fiery trial should not be considered an anomaly or an irregular part of our relationship with God and therefore considered strange. Uh, but God oftentimes uses our fiery trials and our tribulations to bring us from one level of faith to another. He often uses the strangeness of our situations to mold and to shape us into the child of God he wants us to be. Oh, people of God, we always, we, we, we want the testimony, but we don't want to test. We want to prosper, but we don't want any trials and tribulations. Hallelujah. But if you're going to reign with God, then you got to suffer a while. If you want the blessings of God, then you got to go through something. Uh, give God a praise if you believe that in this place. Hallelujah. Uh, and so we can see this played out in Psalms, the 137th chapter, verses 1 through 5. When we look at the spokesman for the children of Israel's captivity in Babylon. Uh, uh, you see here this writer uh, in the 137th Psalm here uh, is musing about their Babylonian captivity. Uh, it seems that this writer is complaining to God about the details of the children of Israel's uh, captivity as if God doesn't already know what's going on. Uh, the writer even seems to have an attitude with God uh, so you can discern as you can discern by the tone of his writings in Psalms 137. Uh, he begins by saying, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our hearts or we hung our praise uh, upon the willows in the midst thereof. Uh, people of God, this, this sounds like a very depressing and, and heart-wrenching uh, depiction of their Babylonian captivity. Uh, the writer obviously wants to draw some kind of sympathy uh, from his audience by choosing uh, to write this way. Uh, he goes on to say, for there they carried us away captive, uh, required of us a song, and, and they that wasted us, uh, required of us mercying, sing unto us one of the songs of Zion. And then he concludes in verse number five by surmising, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Oh, I'll be there in a minute. You see, here the writer is now saying that his captives are now requiring that they offer up a song. It sounds like the captors just want to make fun of the Israelites for having them sing these kind of songs. 
songs that talk about the strength and the power of their God songs that talk about how powerful God is having them sing these kind of songs in captivity is only designed to make fun of the children of Israel songs singing these kinds of songs that the enemy is laughing at them the enemy wants to make fun of them and although the song the writer I believe he wanted to sing was nobody knows the trouble I see sweet love swing low sweet chariot coming forward to carry me home and then he asked the question how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land this this writer here is is complaining to God I'm in unfamiliar territory I'm in a place where I don't understand I'm in an unfamiliar environment I'm out of the place my, my normal place of worship I don't recognize anybody around me here and and, and, and that's the, the testimony of many of us when we get in our unfamiliar place our trials and tribulations of life uh, we, we instead of uh, praising God in the midst of our trials uh, we complain and, and have a pity party uh, wanting to get God's sympathy uh, but I believe David said in Psalms 34 I will bless the Lord uh, at all times uh, and his praises uh, shall continually be uh, in my mouth uh, my soul shall make uh, her boast in the Lord uh, the humble shall hear thereof uh, and be glad uh, oh magnify uh, the Lord with me uh, and let us uh, exalt his name together give God a pray you were blessed by the excerpt of that message entitled Strange Fruit. And as we look back over 2021, we can see God is taking us someplace. But in order to get there, as we said earlier, you've got to go through some things. And that, I'm sure... I pray you were blessed by the excerpt from that message entitled Strange Fruit. And as I look back over 2021, that I believe is the message for me that resonates throughout the entire year. God is taking us someplace, but in order to get there, we've got to go through some things. I pray that message blessed you. Thank you once again for tuning in to the New Year's Eve edition 
of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We truly, truly appreciate it. Want to give a special shout out again to my special guest, the global advocate and activist, Martin Luther King III, for not just giving us this interview back in February of this year, but for this, for this interview being one of the best interviews that we did in 2021. And again, shouts out to all of our guests that we've had an opportunity to interview, not just this year, but the entire four years that we've been doing the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We truly appreciate each and every one of you. And to all of our listeners uh, this year and in the past four years that we've been doing the show, we thank you so much for your continued support of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We are continuing to expand this platform even in 2022. We're looking to do some even bigger things and we hope that you will join us as we cross over into this brand new year with this expanding platform called the Thinking Out Loud radio show. I look forward to seeing what God is going to do for us in 2022 and I look forward to seeing what he's going to do for you as well. I thank you so much for your time on this New Year's Eve edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And as always, remember, if you think it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can see it. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can be it, you can achieve it. The power rests within you. The mind's the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. Power is in you. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thank you for listening. And happy new year. Thank you for tuning in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. To get more info about the show and the ministry, visit michaelnemons.com. Want to book radio host Michael Nemons for your next special event? Send an email to contact at michaelnemons.com. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 p.m. for the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you.